Welcome to the Nobody Guide to Life, where we provide tips and tools for personal growth, personal development in your spiritual journey that you can use right now in your everyday life. I'm J.A. Plosker. You can always find out more at thenobodyguidetolife.com. And thank you so much for joining us. Famed UCLA basketball coach John Wooden was fascinated with the word success, but he wondered what it meant. And according to UCLABruins.com, at age 24 as a young high school basketball coach, Wooden jotted down some ideas about success and how to achieve it. A quote from the site that I saw that I really like says, To Coach Wooden, it wasn't about the final score, about winning or losing. It was about the hard work and effort that was put forth in the journey to get to the final score. So good preparation and doing your best on the court and in life was the real journey and goal, not the outcome. And my guest today has a special place in his heart for Coach Wooden and his philosophy of life and success. And he uses it throughout a diverse background as an attorney, author, and musical creative. Neville Johnson is a founder and partner of the law firm of Johnson & Johnson in Beverly Hills, California. And he's won more than $350 million for actors, writers, and other clients he contends were shortchanged in royalties and profits. He's also a musician and songwriter who performs and records under the name Trevor McShane. Wooden's teachings even inspired Neville's books, The John Wooden Pyramid of Success and Woodenisms. And I'm really looking forward to having this discussion. Welcome to the show, Neville. Thank you Neville. very much. Well, you have quite a background. So as an attorney, as a musician, and as a devotee of Coach Wooden's philosophy, what, what was your journey to finding Coach Wooden? Out of this background that you have, what brought you to that pyramid? How did you arrive at that? In 1981 or 1982, I, I had achieved everything I really set out to achieve as a lawyer. I was a baby lawyer at the time. I was 33 or 4, <laughs> and I was representing Yoko Ono in the estate of John Lennon. That big wow. Thing group of all time and uh, I saw this thing called the pyramid of success on a, the wall of another client and I said who did that and he said John Wooden the client had made it made it up himself or made, made his own facsimile mm. and I said the basketball coach and he goes yeah it turned out I grew up about four blocks from UCLA and I was certainly aware of coach Wooden but I hadn't been aware of his pyramid of success and so I wanted to learn more about it because I said to myself, I'm not, okay, I have this great client, all the rest of that, but I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm all that happy and I don't know if I'm really successful. And I, right. liked, I, and I liked what uh, Coach had to say because it was non-sectarian um, and, and, and advanced and thoughtful and logical and philosophical and commonsensical. So as a result, I... Uh, was able to get his phone number and called him up and said, I want to come out and talk to you and wow. let me come out and talk to him. And then I called him up and said, I want to interview you. And I have somewhat of a journalistic background uh, from college and after college and, and have authored articles, interviews since then. So I did an interview not knowing what I was going to do with it. Then I called him up and said, uh, I'd like to uh, write a book about you or with you. And he said, no, my wife is ill and I, I just don't want to do it. So I, I wrote three chapters. I sent it to him and a month later it came back redlined from him. So being drawn to this and, and these discussions you had with him, how did those teachings evolve in your life? How did they influence you? What impact? Because I think so many times on a spiritual or personal growth journey, we find things, we find a book by a guru or a teacher, and maybe it influences us and maybe it doesn't, and, and we kind of forget how it affects us. But you've really taken this. You've 
written two books on this. You've really made this a part of your life. What was it about those interactions that really influenced you? <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know that I've admitted this before, but I really wasn't a fan of basketball. <laughs> As a result of writing this book, I learned everything there is to know about college basketball. And <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> relived games from the 60s and 70s and uh, what was so fascinating was uh, of the 200 people or so I interviewed each one had a story to tell that was important and and touching and uh, you know I just loved uh, meeting these people and hearing how it had it had affected their lives overall and if you're talking about right. the concepts of coach wooden teamwork friendship uh, you know uh, honesty uh, ability skill poise, confidence, and all of the other uh, building blocks in the pyramid, you can't help but have that be inculcated into your overall uh, thought process and arguably your, uh, your uh, philosophy of life as well. And so what it did for me, you know, when you think about things, he, he's talking all about, he's talking all the time about teamwork. It's all about teamwork. Right. And I had not really embrace that I think to the level that I should have and he and, and his fundamental concept is to do your best all the time uh, and don't worry about the other guy in fact when I I had taped his lecture that he gives and I sent it to him and then the last line that came back from him that was redline said never worry about your reputation because that's what other people think of you only care about your character because that's who you truly are and I think that that, wow. that it, reduced to its essence is is uh, sensical. Right. How has that influenced your legal practice? Because that's interesting. That's such an intense and competitive profession, at least the way it looks like you've practiced it. And that and that California actors, writers, very high pressure, high stakes. How has how has Wooden's influence entered your legal practice? Which pieces of that pyramid have really never, influenced how you never practice yet law? High after a victory, never get low after a defeat. <laughs> and, yes. you know, I'm in a business where on a daily basis it's thumbs up or down by the court or whatever it may yes. be. And uh, I've learned to just say, you know, hey, um, I'll roll with it. I'll, I'll roll with it. And otherwise, I would say that it was a, a combination of all of those elements uh, such that you know, I've been practicing law for over 40 years. In the first 20 years, I, I think I was, I did all right. I bumped along. I had highs and I had lows. But the last 20 years have been unbelievably uh, wonderful on both a financial and, uh, and a metaphysical and, a, and an intellectual level. Overall, I feel I've right. really been able to accomplish it. It all came together. So, Well, talk to us about that a little, Neville. Talk to us about how, for people listening in any career, how did it come together? What does it look like for you to see success in your career spiritually? What, what does that look like? First, I was open to and found the right team to work with. And, right. Uh, because I have my strengths and deficiencies, and um, that, was, that was one thing. Another thing was that I uh, found the courage to take on uh, the powers that be. And so back in, uh, in, right. the, in the 90s, I sued the ABC television network and the show Primetime Live for the use of a hidden camera. And I, it was the first case in the history of the United States where more than a dollar was 
given on an investigative journalism television show, Hidden Camera, on the first case in the history of the United States where punitive damages were awarded. Then wow. I lost in the Court of Appeal two to one. Then I went to the California Supreme Court where I won seven nothing and the case is now studied in every law school in America. <laughs> And I helped establish the boundaries of the right of privacy in our country, and it's a fundamental right. And so that was, you know, I think that Coach Wooden certainly helped me with that along the way. And it also right. gave me the ability to think, listen, all I got, it, it's all fundamentals. Wooden says everything is fundamentals. And so right. if right. I go and learn the fundamentals of a particular area of law, then I can go out and practice in that particular area if I want to spend the time to do the work. So right. to do that, it's a, you know, he, his, his thing is that it's mental, moral, physical, and spiritual. They've all got to be working in combination at the same time. And, and he right. says another favorite phrase of, of his that I love is that he, he said to a bunch of Cub Scouts, kids, the most important, the most important word in the English language is love, followed by balance. Now, can you imagine any gym teacher ordinarily saying that to seven-year-olds? Oh, my goodness. So what does that translate to? How is that received in your profession? How, Like those 15 building blocks, how do you bring those into the office? And how are they received by your team and by other attorneys that you work with? Well, I have it uh, on my wall, and I, so I see it every day. And uh, Right. And... Now I have a, uh, uh, on Facebook, uh, I, once a week I put up uh, one of his sayings um, just to let people know. And I try and, you know, it's actions speak louder than words. I try and be a kind, considerate person who doesn't lose his temper and has a sense of humor. And, uh, right. I you know, we're nine lawyers here and it's very collegial and, and, and it's exciting work. How do you bring that into, uh, you know, this show's all about practical tips and tools that we can use. And this, this pyramid is, is nothing if not practical. So you are in, like we said before, you're in such a high stress, high stakes profession. What does it look like when you bring these building blocks into, uh, into a courtroom, into a deposition? How do they... What what comes up in your mind? How do you use them as practical tools every day when you're facing opposing counsel? Fundamentals and, and tied into that is preparation. You know, there, there's always going to be things that are going to happen that are unanticipated. You know, a witness may change his or her story, or and you, yes. and you learn how to how to grapple with that uh, and handle it to your best ability. But I, I, I like the at the top of the pyramid are, are the building blocks of poise and confidence. So I like to right. think that I'm in pretty good shape when I go into the courtroom. There, in other words, I've thought out all of the variables that are going to happen. And a, yes. another thing that I learned, and the other thing is poise to not lose your cool at all. Right. And, and right. I, one of my key tenets for the first 20 years of my career, I was a hard liner who would think that the lawyer representing the other guy was a bad guy because the other, because the, the person on the other side was a bad guy. And then it right. took me, it, a couple things happened. One, somebody said, told a story about a lawyer who did depositions in Las Vegas and then took everybody out to dinner. And, and she asked huh. him, why did you do that? And he said, 
because I want to settle the case. I want them to <laughs> like me. So I totally changed my uh, ability or my, the methodology by which I dealt with opposing counsel so that I was, I'm pleasant and gracious. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I, I give, uh, uh, consideration to whatever the needs are of the other person, but uh, there's a line of lawyer uh, that lawyers sometimes say is don't mistake uh, kindness for weakness, and right. Uh, so that's that's important as well as to uh, not be antagonistic. In other words, I'm, I want to I want to accomplish uh, getting the information. I don't want to fight with the other lawyer overall. So I'd say the right. biggest thing to learn and is to not get into conflagrations. Now, 5% of the time, maybe, or 10% of the time, you're going to be dealing with totally jerky people on the other side. Yes. And uh, then you just grit your teeth and uh, go through it, but don't get into name-calling. Neville, that is such that is such powerful advice, especially as we, as we go down roads of personal and spiritual growth. Sometimes we're going to be presented with new teachings, new experiences that come at us just out of nowhere and really challenge us and challenge the things that we believe. And I think that whole thing about being gracious, being prepared, not losing your cool when things get difficult, that is such powerful advice for making the spiritual journey something that we don't really have to fear, but something that we can prepare for. What do you think makes Wooden's formula what do you think gives it such staying power? I hear you talk about it and it, you really bring it to life for us in a way that kind of answers the question. But from you who has firsthand experience with the coach, what do you think gives his pyramid such staying power? The value is the appreciation that it has received from so many throughout the world and not just people who were aware of him as a basketball coach. One of the things that's fascinating about him is I think he became even more famous after he was a coach. In other words, the last 25 years of his life, he, uh, or right. 30, he, he was, you know, uh, continued to have a great life. In other words, just because your career has ended doesn't mean that your life ends. And he loved yes. people and he loved interacting with others and he, he loved teaching and he loved family. And so he had a, a very fulfilled existence. And there's one thing I wanted to mention about you asking about what else did I learn. One of his principles is to say, you know, if something, if, if something bad happens, don't sweep it under the rug. Deal with it immediately. Yes. And yes. I, everybody, including myself, we have a tendency to want to just shut our eyes and go to sleep uh, and try and forget about something that happened. But if you move quickly, you're going to be yes. able to uh, rectify the situation oftentimes. And so I, I embraced that, and that, that helped me quite a bit. And I wanted to say, what, what listen, there's a, there's a provision in our statutory code that says, uh, you know, you can go to the court and say, hey, I made a mistake. Okay, I apologize. Right. You got to do it within right. six months. And the court will invariably allow you to correct your mistake overall. So right. the point is this, is that everybody makes mistakes all the time, no matter yes. who they are, no matter what their profession, it happens. And as Wooden says, yes. you know, if you don't make mistakes, you're never going to get ahead and learn from those right. mistakes as well. Right. That's incredibly valuable. And I, I, I love the, the, what you draw about the court. Because, you know, courts seem to be these scary institutions that behind brick walls that we can't access. 
but it's true. You know, in my former life as an attorney, I, I remember, I remember those pieces of the law, the pieces that allowed you to, to rectify the wrong, to make good, to apologize to the court. And like you said, invariably there would be understanding there. Even the most difficult adversaries oftentimes would would allow a continuance or allow something to be fixed. And we all know, you know, if you clean up a stain quickly or you put out a tiny little fire quickly, it doesn't necessarily grow. I think that's that's absolutely wonderful, wonderful yeah, advice. Know, I learned also that, you know, the job of the other lawyer is to do his or her absolute best to mm. defeat me. And this is whether yes. it's in a litigation context or a transactional contest, not necessarily defeat me, but to do the best for their client overall. Yes. And so I have yes. I, what I had to learn was to respect their obligation to the profession and to uh, enjoy uh, and acknowledge that yeah. they're good lawyers and they're there to do the best that they can for their clients. So it's, it's right. our job is conflict resolution overall. And the deal is how do you do that uh, in a gentlemanly fashion? Because judges hate it when the lawyers are bickering <laughs> in front of, right. of him or her. Right, absolutely. And, and what a great way to look at the frame of this pyramid is it was built, it was built in sport, but not for sport. You know, this wasn't, this pyramid wasn't built for basketball players necessarily, but what a great thing you just said about in sport, the other team is trying their best to win. And it seems like coach Wooden had a tremendous respect for the human condition and that that made its way onto the court. And I imagine him as a person who was very respectful of opposing teams, respectful of opposing coaches, and not so concerned about the final score, but how teams met to do their best. I mean, is that the sense you got yeah, from first him? First of all, you, he started the pyramid. It took him about 12 years to do it when he was a teacher in high school in South Bend, right. Indiana. And the parents would come in and say, why isn't little Johnny doing better? And he started to think about it, and it was based on something called the ladder of success that he'd seen somebody had created. And so he tinkered with it for that period of time until he came up with it, and then and then would would he would teach it or in in his, uh, to his teams, but he didn't drill it into them, if you know what I mean. He wasn't heavy-handed right. about it, and uh, so that's how it that's how it worked. And here, what I try and do with the, with the team here is explain to them, you know, our philosophy of how we're doing business that they got to do their best, but Hey, don't forget to have a good time in your life as well. But if you got to work later on the weekend, please come in and do it. You know, in other words, I want competitiveness. The, the story I like to tell about coach Wooden and winning is that first of all, he never said we beat the other team or we won. He would only say we outscored the opponent. And his daughter mm. said, unless you had been at the game when we were home at night, you would have no idea whether the team had won or lost. Interesting. And, you know, in, in coaching today, you take a look at any sport. These guys live or die by, by their record. And they're always looking behind their back. But coach said, you know, my work is during the week. My work is done with the practices and the teaching. And then it's up to them. When we, we get the, when the, when the game comes, tell me about the books that you wrote because it's so interesting. I mean, you took it to the point where 
you know, you felt drawn to write, you know, not one, but two books about this man. Talk, talk to me about that process of writing the book and, and, and the effect of that had I'd on your life. I've written law review articles, which are pretty tough, but uh, I took right. on wooden <laughs> because it was just, uh, I don't know, I had to do it, if you know what I mean. It's just was a, right. it was, uh, yeah, it was my obsession. And I started to write it in 1982 or so. It took me 20 years till I finally put the darn thing out. I stopped and started at various times. I, uh, I just thought to myself, oh, what have I gotten myself into? This is <laughs> because he's so impressive and there's so much about him. And right. uh, so I put out my, the first edition in 1980. Uh, and as a result, I started a book, a book company because I'm a copyright attorney and I wanted to own, own everything. And I figured I'd sell some books. And so I actually started a book company, which I still own with my wife, called Cool Titles. And we have about 25 titles or so. And we, and we cool. are still in production and we're enjoying that. But the book, that, the first edition, it was pretty good dug into his life, and I uh, viewed it like I do a legal case. In other words, my job is to learn everything about the facts, and good and bad. So I did my best to dig up any dirt there was on John Wooden, and basically there, right. there isn't much, oh, basically <laughs> next to nothing. So, uh, But then I wasn't happy with the book, so I, hell, I'm the publisher. I went and wrote the second edition and really improved it and got a proper editor in that. Put that out, and I've sold a, a ton of books since then. And then I was asked to put out, uh, or my editor of my uh, book company said, why don't you put out a book of his sayings? So that's we call that woodenisms, and that's, those are some of his best aphorisms and, and sayings. What are some of the best quotes that you that you really like to live by that you like to share? Well, he's he's most famous for failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Yes, uh, I really also like the star is the rest of the team, and wow, isn't it amazing how much can be accomplished if nobody cares who gets the credit? Yes, and the softest pillow is a clear conscience. Yes, and uh, it's what you do during the week. There's very little you can do during the game. Success is not perfection, which you can never obtain. Success is the goal. If you lose self-control, everything will fail. You have conquered fear when you have initiative. Um, don't let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. Never yes. make excuses. Your friends won't need them and your foes won't believe them. <laughs> Bad times can make you bitter or better. The greatest conquest wow. of man is the conquering of himself. Revenge wow. is the weak pleasure of a little and narrow mind. A mm. good memory is one that can remember the day's blessings and forget the day's troubles. Um, no matter how fine a person is at anything, he can always improve. Right. And without faith and courage, you are lost. So there's our bunch right there. Well, I would encourage my listeners to please rewind the podcast as many times as you need to listen to those again, because you can hear in those quotes the echoes of the ancients, the echoes of, of great competition, and really, in my mind, a recipe for coming out of any struggle on the other side, really with an appreciation for the journey. And that's something that struck me as I was reading about your work, Neville, and reading about the life of John Wooden, is it really seemed to be about the journey. I love that he used a pyramid, this idea of climbing, 
climbing, climbing towards a goal, but that every block means something. So thank you for sharing those. Again, rewind and listen to those quotes because I know I'm going to. So Neville, tell me a little bit about your music career. I think we can see how those wooden quotes and this, this life, this philosophy can help us in our career as we, as we push for our career goals. But I think so many people have other interests, passions that they want to pursue. And you've done that as Trevor McShane. Tell me a little bit about that, that transition to music that you've made. So uh, I always loved rock and roll. And uh, in college at UC Berkeley, I was the music critic uh, for the school newspaper and saw all the great bands back then. And uh, had a thought that, you know, I never had the thought that I would be a professional musician of any sort. I picked up the guitar and I was about 20. I just played in right. my room for 20 or so years. I never really played out. And it just so happened that I was invited to play at a coffee house, and I did. And the person said, you need to write original tunes. And then another wow. client, I picked up the guitar at his place. He said, you know, you're not bad. I should take you into the studio. That was in the early 90s. And so... He took me in with two members of a group called the Parliament Funkadelic, which is considered to be the best funk group in the history of, of contemporary music. And, and, I, wow. and I said to myself, you know, I like this. This is fun. And uh, <laughs> as a result, I put together a combo and started writing tunes and uh, recording them and uh, found out that I had a knack for writing poetry and lyrics right. and so i have written literally thousands since then and in fact put out a book a couple of years ago of 167 love poems to my wife but i started to record i really liked recording and uh and i started to put out the music but i didn't really promote it and i've had about five or six albums released None of which I really promoted because I didn't want to interfere with my law practice and for people to think that I wasn't serious about being a lawyer. I mean, I worked very hard right. doing that and very hard to build up this practice overall. Well, now I'm at the point where everybody knows that I make music and everybody knows I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I can be very problematic if I'm a lawyer coming after you. So, and I have, you know, friends who are opposing counsel and judges and all that, that kind of stuff as well. So it's not in the, in the way, but I, I, what happened was I finally said to myself, you know, you got to do something with it. You got to put the material out. So I'm out actively promoting uh, it right now. And I have worked as a music attorney for over 40 years. So I know the business, right. but I have no illusions about it. It's uh it's very tough to get noticed overall, but I figure, you know, I got a story. First of all, I think my music is, is, is good. It's folk rock country pop or uh, the rubric Americana, but, right. uh, and we, and I have a, a hot band and we play out and, uh, so we'll see what's going to happen. And I, I, you know, back when I was in college, I would see, you know, one, one song would turn you on to an, to an artist's entire repertoire. And then that artist would become James Taylor or, or Joni Mitchell or something along those lines. So I'm hoping to catch a fire somewhere down the line. Well, I think you've definitely got the right philosophy behind you and definitely the right mindset. And it's an important message you bring about, you know, it is possible to have a profession and a passion. And even if you don't throw yourself up on a billboard for your passion, it's still something that you can pursue. And I think that's, I, I that's just great. I mean, I look at a guy like, 
Steve Martin, who's an idol of mine, he, his book, Born Standing Up, I think it is, is incredible <laughs> about how he was playing arenas as a comedian, then said, okay, I've hit that peak, and then becomes a major actor, a major playwright, mm -hmm. and he like won the Grammy for best album of bluegrass. Yeah. I mean, he's just a, right. he can do it all. And I say that to everybody. Who wants to go to the end of their life and say, you know, I should have done, I should have climbed Everest or whatever the heck it was. In fact, nobody should ever climb Everest, but, <laughs> or Half Dome. But, uh, uh, you know, I, they should have done something and then do it. Well, what was, what was holding you back, you know? Right. I, go for it. That's what right. Wooden is saying. Go for a great and difficult challenge. That's competitive greatness. That's at the top of the pyramid. I love that. I love that. And you know, Neville, I think you may have just answered it. But the final question I always ask, so what's a tip or tool that you can give our listeners that can help them on their journeys of personal and spiritual growth? What's your, what's your one tip that you'd like to leave? Calmness. 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 To, be, to never, to figure it out. Whatever that issue is going to be, you're going to, every, everybody, every day is faced with some sort of a dilemma. Well, you don't need to get histrionic or hysterical. Face it head on and you move forward. I love it. I love it. And I think that is such a great tagline for your career because as an attorney, as someone in the music business, there are so many perceived obstacles. And if you don't move through them, you'll never get a case, you'll never have an album. And staying calm, figuring it out and moving through it is the most beautiful thing I can think of to reach your dreams and to climb your pyramid. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Nobody Guide to Life. Neville, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed it and I appreciate it, thank you. And to all of you out there, Coach Wooden had a 15 block pyramid to success, but the cornerstones, industrious, enthusiasm. In other words, anything worthwhile takes hard work and planning. And to reach the goal, you have to enjoy what you do and pursue it enthusiastically. As you climb your own pyramid to your goals, work hard at each step and bring love to what it is that you do. You can find out more about Neville as Trevor McShane at trevormcshane.com. And you can find his books, John Wooden Pyramid of Success and Woodenisms. They're available on Amazon. Those links will be in our show notes at the nobodyguidetolife.com. And also Johnson & Johnson, or no, it's jjllplaw.com. Thank you, thank you. All right. And you can always check out more episodes at the nobodyguidetolife.com. Reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook at Nobody's View or join the Facebook community, Simple Spirituality. If you liked what you heard on this episode, please consider sharing it with someone you know. Keep practicing and have a good week.